When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. At Maximum Mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. guys, we're back with another episode of your favorite sideshow that Horror Movie Night does, Soundtracking. Uh, this week, obviously, we discussed Idle Hands. We have to discuss the Idle Hands soundtrack. You've got three dudes who grew up on whiny, pop punk, and emo. We really had and no choice. <laughs> yeah, we, we had no choice. So let's break down, because the soundtrack, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right now. Of all the soundtracks we discussed on Soundtracking, and this is including... Can't hardly wait. And Empire Records. This is my favorite one because I think that the actual soundtrack album is perfect. I don't have any songs that I dislike on the soundtrack, which is crazy to me. So let's get started. Track number one, we kick it off with The Living End, Second Solution, off their self titled album in 1998. Uh, I feel like The Living End was such an underappreciated psychobilly pop punk band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, well, and the thing is, is that I liked them, but I never had any of their albums. And uh, man, like listening, because this is this is the, actually okay. So, man behind the curtain, uh, the, Matt had the actual. I knew and had done my research for the soundtrack beforehand, and then like yesterday, Matt 
sent me the soundtrack that he had. And it's like various artists. And, and I was so glad he did because I thought I knew the soundtrack. Because my best friend growing up, Eric, um, who was on the, the stream last year, um, he loved this soundtrack. He would listen to it constantly. But I think that half of it was because the songs that he really liked from the movie were not on the soundtrack. And so he was like, ah, oh, I just, you know, this is close, but not quite. Um, but the versions of the songs on the soundtrack are not the ones that are necessarily the ones that I knew. And uh, so because of that, you know, like I'd never heard this Living End song because I don't even remember where it is in the movie. Yeah, I don't remember. The, most of these, so I listened to the soundtrack on Tuesday and then I watched the movie on Thursday, so all of the songs were fairly fresh in my head, so when certain ones popped up, I'm like, okay, I remember this, I remember this. But there's like four or five songs that I think just aren't in the movie. Okay, I thought so too, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Living End was was great. They were just high energy, they were fun. Um, and this song's, it's not the catchiest song in the album by a long shot, but it's a yeah. fun, like if you like Living End, you know what you're stepping into for a second solution. Well, also if you like, late 90s, early 2000s, rockabilly, psychobilly. So like if you like Tiger Army or the horror pops or bands like that, this Living End is like the band that you probably didn't listen to or have not listened to and you're in for a treat. Yeah, so it goes right into another song that I, I don't it's think not, is actually- Absolutely not on the, in the movie because it, it, I would know because this is one of my it, top five all time favorite albums. Uh, Blink-182 uh, enthused from uh, the Dude Ranch album in 1997. Not my favorite song on that album by a long no, shot, but still no. a great song. And this is like right before Tom got singing lessons. So like, <laughs> it's that real nasally whiny Tom vocal. Um, I, my, I can do a pretty good impression of Tom singing style in the 90s, but yeah, only, do, do, only during one song. And it's during the song Josie. And it's, um, <clears throat> I know that everything, know that everything, know that everything. <laughs> That's actually not the not as good as I thought it would be. I think that you need to work on that some more. Yeah, um, it's early. <laughs> hey, quick question. So, so before we go any further, um, obviously the three of us all really enjoy Dude Ranch. Uh, favorite song on that record, go. Oh. Uh, pathetic. Oh, man, I don't know. Give me a minute. All right, uh, mine is absolutely Waggy. Waggy is my favorite Blink-182 song of all time, and it is such a good film, a good song. I will say, though, controversial statement for me, Dude Ranch not might not even be in my... Uh, it's in my top five, but it's not high in my top five for Blink-182 albums. They only um, have, like, six albums. I was I gonna, not in your top I, five. I, I like... I, I think their best album is Take Your Pants Off and Jacket. I love... I think that's their best, like commercial album but the reason that i love dude ranch is that it feels sincere yeah there are still like dick and fart jokes and stuff but they're between songs and the songs are actually this album is kind of like an emo punk rock album i just think i think for me every time i listen to dude ranch i know this is such a stupid complaint about an album that's only 44 minutes long anyway but i just feel like you could cut two or three songs off of it and it'd be perfect and I don't know you what could, two but songs I don't want you to. You, well, you'd cut off fucking I'm Sorry because that's probably the least good song on the album. Yeah, you definitely get rid of that. And I don't know, maybe Dick Lips. I feel like I, I don't never like really. Dick Lips. I think Dick yeah. Lips is a stupid song. Yeah, like there's like two or three songs. It's like get rid of them. And then you've got like easily the best album that they've done. 
but I, I don't know. I, I think I like Take Your Pants Off and Jacket and uh, Enema of the State more than I like Dude Ranch. But I agree with you that like Dude Ranch has that vibe that that was very much a 1997 vibe, and it's the same vibe where like you listen to to Catch 22's Keys Be Nights and you listen to the re-recorded Streetlight Manifesto Keys Be Nights, and while it's note for note the same thing. There's something about the imperfections of the original recording. Like, it's not a perfect recording, and that's what makes it so, like, endearing, I think. Yeah. So I was looking at the track list, and literally right as I was like, oh, man, I loved Dick Lips as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) As a kid. You guys said that, so I guess, I don't know. I guess i go with Lemmings. I I liked, like, the Tony Hawk's sounding songs you know <laughs> so so I, I, any goldfinger song yeah um, yeah i'll tell you what though there is nothing better than going to a local show in a basement when a band plays apple shampoo and that whole crowd just like knows that it is like starts singing and like i've seen that so many times at local shows in my area what? so like i am yeah. so jealous yeah <laughs> like there are so many bands that would come and cover apple shampoo i remember one time the show was uh was set your goals was the headliner of the local show in our church basement and they did apple shampoo and it was what? fucking awesome wait so uh, set your goals covered apple shampoo yeah Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah i know it was great uh so the blank winning two song is followed up by a song that is 100 in the movie offsprings beheaded uh, and the cool thing about this that i didn't realize this is what i'm saying about i'm so glad that you sent me the actual soundtrack because i know beheaded off of uh, They're self-titled. Self self-titled, yeah. Um, I know that version because I had that album when I was in high school, and my high school pop punk band covered it. Like we yeah. loved Beheaded because of this movie, but I did not realize this is Beheaded '99, which is a re-recorded version, which is a version that they actually used in the film. Yeah, which uh, might blown. Uh, the the self-titled Offspring album probably my least favorite of the early Offspring. Oh, albums. I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, the self-titled's not good, but the the what's the one with um is was that the self-titled? Um, I will say controversially, my favorite Offspring album is X Nay for the Hombre instead of Smash. Yeah, no, no, no. My favorite yeah. is X Nay as well. See, <laughs> I I loved Smash, and I was pissed because uh, shit, maybe it was like two years ago. Uh, two years ago, they were playing in Florida, and they were strictly doing Smash, which like I love when when bands do album yeah. concerts. I saw, um, what's it called? I mean, I saw Radiohead pretty much just do OK Computer, um, and say anything do is a real boy. I saw love. that too. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. Such a great. It's like my favorite because you know what to expect and like. When you see I, album shows, there's songs that they'll never play at a concert, and they're only that, playing because on the album. That was like when I saw Less Than Jake just play Hello Rock View, and I was like, ah, oh, like because that album means so much to me. So that was like cool because they don't play a ton of those songs normally. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question for you guys. Well, okay, so my least favorite Offspring album is uh, Ignition. I, I just don't like it. Um, okay, fair enough. But, I, I feel like then, Offspring, Self-Titled, and Ignition are like not that far apart. From, like Smash is where they really figured out what their sound was, oh, and the first two were like kind of playing around with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Even the re-recorded version of of Beheaded, Dexter is not really doing his more um, 
uh, signature higher singing. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, that's also why we could cover it in high school because yeah. we didn't have the vocal range like Dexter Holland. Um, so, uh, I've seen a lot of bands do the the tours where they play a record. Um, what is your least? What was the worst one that you guys have ever seen? Like Ooh. the worst show playing uh, where a band played their album in its entirety. Um, honestly, it the the worst for me wasn't even the band; it was the crowd. Uh, this year, I saw it was a two night. Two nights, say anything, triple album. Um, oh, and the yeah. second night, they did the second, the second CD of In Defense of the Genre. That would be, like, dude. That would be hard to get through, though. <laughs> dude, but there's some like it's like one of those. It's such a. It's not a great album. Strictly the second, the second disc. But it's yeah, like yeah. the way that it's formatted is great because it's not like the first five songs are awesome and then the last ones are average. It's like a good mix. Where almost like you could take a bathroom break and then go like yeah, see a great yeah. song, but the crowd sucked um, because everyone was waiting for the self-titled album. So like the crowd was just it was almost like you were seeing the same band play two albums, but it was almost like an opening act where people are just there. Oh yeah, like, like close, fucking around on their phones and yeah, like not caring. So the crowd sucked and really ruined it for me because I think me and you talked about it before, Scott. Like that guitarist plays his heart out and plays oh, to the yeah. crowd. He, like he puts on such a show for the audience that it bothers me when people aren't like really getting into the music. Uh, so that's my worst. So I don't, I don't really have one because that less than Jake show was the only one I ever attended. Oh, okay. I don't, yeah. but uh, I will say the most disappointed I had been was I am a huge Ben folds five fan. And when Ben folds five, first reunited they were doing a show maybe two hours from where i lived and it, they were going to play an album from front to back and i was really excited i was like i'm gonna buy tickets i'm gonna go because it's probably gonna be whatever and ever amen which is my favorite album that of all time or like one of my top five of all time and instead they were playing the album with army on it which is like literally an album that has like three good songs on it and i was so angry because it's like i missed out when this band was an active band <laughs> <laughs> and now they're reuniting for like this one night show and they're playing my least favorite album by them. So I just didn't go. Like I was like, I'm not going to that then. Cause I, I want to army live would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, I've seen army live when it's just Ben folds by himself and he gets the crowd to do all the singing parts and it's way cooler anyway. So I was like, all right, I just wanted to hear the full three piece band do some of those songs. Cause usually Ben folds just plays by himself, which is cool, but mm -hmm. you, some of those songs need the whole band, but that was mine. What about you, Scott? Well, and this is a hard one to admit because I really love Alkaline Trio, um, but it would have been 2007, I think. They were touring for God Damn It, and they did all of God Damn It, plus they did, like, I want to say a song off of every other record. Um, and it was one of the most boring, uninspired shows I've of a national band I've ever seen. Uh, and yeah. it sucks because, like, God damn, it's a great album. Definitely not my favorite uh, Alkaline Trio album because um, it's not. If, if I could see them play from here for, from here to Infirmary with Mike, oh Filumli god, please, drums. <laughs> like, I don't even think that Mike Filumli was on that record. Was he the drummer for that record? I don't know. That's the guy from the Smoking Popes. Um, but uh, if if I could see them do that with Mike Filumli, I would be in absolute heaven because I think that that is their masterpiece of an of, like of their discography. 
but yeah, they're real, they're boring life. You know, they're, they're just not, I mean, Dan is cool. I like Dan, but he's, they're old, you know? And like yeah. Matt Skiba, even if he's not drunk, he's just such a low energy guitar player. And he's very uncharismatic. He doesn't talk to the, to the audience. He's just like there. I have one last thing that I want to say about Beheaded before we move on to the next song. It's, and I, we're recording this before I record the episode, but I will most likely bring this up in the episode as well uh, because they don't get to do it in the movie, but Beheaded has my favorite piece of any Offspring song, which is the bridge of Night Brings, Night brings Bad Dreams Bad Dreams on Guillotine yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, Alright, so this is followed by a song that is also, I'm pretty sure, not in the movie. Uh, the Waking Hours covering Mama Said Knock You Out by LL Cool J. Uh, it's it's a fine cover. I prefer Lagwang, uh, Lagwagon's cover of Mama Said Knock You Out. I feel like that you could say that about anything that Lagwagon has done. You're like, I prefer Lagwagon's version. Uh, so yeah, like it's it is what it is. It's it's a pop punk cover of uh, LL Cool J song, and it's fine. But we can kind of keep that one a little chill because we got to talk about the the specific remix that has shown up on more soundtracks in the late '90s than any remix song. Rob Zombie's Hot Rod Herman Dragula. remix of Dragula. Dragula, dude. Which is a terrible version of this song, too, I, by the way. No, and I loved it. <laughs> like, I loved it when The Matrix came out. And, um, I've been like, you know, i am actually been really into Rob Zombie as of lately. Especially, like, his newest album, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, the original version of Dragula is so much better. Significantly better. <laughs> Hold on a second, I just want to see something now because something's popped into my head. Holy shit! So I always assumed, my assumption was always that the that the remix was done for for uh, the Matrix, but this actually was a year before the Matrix, right? Or no, it was the same no, year. Okay. No, but I, I also okay. don't think I don't think it was the the remix in the movie because it was the no, music it was video. Just the video. Yeah. yeah, they were just watching the music video. But man, I, I mean. I was driving around this week listening to Astro Creep 2000 by White Zombie, easily the best White Zombie album. And I mean, I'm not like the biggest Rob Zombie fan in the world, but I really do think that there was a sweet spot between White Zombie's last album and that first Rob Zombie album where he was on like the next level of what his music should be. And then it just didn't continue as well uh, after that. But I will defend Hellbilly Deluxe till my dying day that album is fun as fuck hey i'm matt kelly and i have shit taste in music i'm gonna defend it till my dying day i'm telling you though if either of you have time check out his newest album i will tell me that before i will not protect anything else that he he has done in between hillbilly deluxe and his new album i thought hillbilly deluxe 2 was terrible he did a second one yeah yeah yeah, no, it's not a good like album. Like 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, but uh, his new album is really, really fucking cool. It's mostly like old school, like Rob Zombie. And then there's one song that I, I showed Matt, and it is like, it almost sounds like a Primus song, but it, it works so well with him. Um, check it out. I have the so- hardest time dealing with him because, as a, <laughs> you know, like he, he's such a polarizing filmmaker. I feel like his music is very stuck in the 90s and it was never my thing like i'll listen to that record that you suggested but 
I was never big into it. I, I don't really like his aesthetic. I never liked White Zombie. It's too brunch for me. Uh, or more like industrial. Um, but he's like, I think he's still vegan. And yeah. he's very much like, well, no, I, I bring that up because I, I appreciate, I respect a celebrity that can deal with the flack of being a vegan in, uh, you know, like on Twitter, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put up with all the bullshit that random people will send you. I feel like Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson are like both those dudes where I don't necessarily like a lot of the stuff that they put out, but every time I see them in interviews, I feel like they'd probably be a cool guy to talk to. Like they, so like I would they, say Rob Zombie way more than Marilyn Man Manson because Marilyn Manson has a worse ego problem, I think. Probably, yeah. But I mean, they both, they both are... If it, so, if Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson came out in the '80s, they would 100% be playing their character in every single interview and would never break that role. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. But like, they luckily came out in the mid to late '90s where they were allowed to be very open. Like, yeah, that's like a stage character that I play, and like, kind of seeing the human behind everything was like really cool at that time because you didn't see that a lot up until that point. Um, yeah. I fucking love Marilyn Manson. I do. <laughs> I love his music. I love him as a per. Even though like the ego thing, I I, I like it because he every time he's in an interview, he like really stresses the point that like you know his music may offend you, um, but it's not meant to offend you. It's meant to like provoke thought and make you think about anything, which I like. I'm gonna see them on tour this year. Because they're going on tour together. Well, good luck. <laughs> good luck just if, have if your... Marilyn Manson actually, actually does his set. I saw him in Miami. Have your phone ready in case he falls again. Because that <laughs> shit was... That the is so best. not cool, Matt. But, but, dude, if he just fell, it would be one thing. It was the fact that he fell and then a prop gun fell on top of him. Yeah. It was such like, such like a, a Three Stooges bit. Like, it was... Uh, uh, all right. So there's two songs, there, or there's two bands on this soundtrack that I had never heard of prior to listening to this soundtrack. Um, and I really liked both of them, but of the two, the one that I liked the most was Zebrahead with my How did you not listen to Zebrahead in high school, man? That I don't show. know. My pop punk band also covered Zebrahead, not this song. We covered uh, Someday off of the same record, Mind Trip. Um, I feel like I always knew of the name, but I, like... I don't think Have I've you listened to them since. No, I, I just know the Mind Trip song, but I, I want to check out the rest of their stuff. Listen so to Playmate of the Year. Playmate of the Year is such a good fucking record. You are going to love it. Like they have a couple other good records, but I can't believe you've never listened to Zebrahead. Yeah, that but man, blows my mind. Mind Trip blew my mind because I was driving around like this song is fucking awesome. I think that you'll like Mind Trip more than I do because you like white boy rap. Oh, yeah. And they do a lot more <laughs> of that in Mind Trip. Um, or is that what the first record's called? I'm pretty sure that's what the first, first record. The first album's uh, just Zebrahead. It's titled Zebrahead. What's the second record? Uh, second episode, uh, record is Waste of Mind. and then Waste of Mind. That's what Mind Trip is on. Okay, yeah. That's what Mind Trip is on. It, Waste of Mind. That's And Someday is on that. And um, uh, a couple other songs that I remember off like i remember the the melodies but so playmate of the year was their third record that was in my opinion their best i think that mfzb is pretty good that was the one that came out after that right uh, i guess I yeah know. i don't know their albums i only know the only other song i know besides mind trip is uh their song check because it was in tony hawk pro skater 3 
Yeah, it was. It was also <laughs> in a movie. I know for a fact that was in some some fucking teen movie. Hold on a second, actually. I just thought of something. I might have heard one other Zebrahead song. Zebrahead did a song for a wrestler. <laughs> really? <laughs> they that doesn't surprise song. me in the least. They did a song with legs like that for a female wrestler named Maria. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for the second soundtracking in a row, we get to talk about Static X and Bush it! <laughs> <laughs> I hate Static X so much. <laughs> They're not good. They never no. were good. <laughs> well, I know Brian. So this is going to be, even though Scott's the one that lives in Ohio, Brian and I are the one that listen to Ohio morning drive time radio every day. Every time I hear Push It, I think of the parody that uh, Meat did for yeah. the for the Bengals football team. <laughs> yeah, the Bengals! <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, so bad. <laughs> like, oh, man. God, this, and I remember this video so vividly still to this day. But I, again, so Mind Trip, I remember being in the movie Idle Hands. Because it's when he's running across the street to see Molly. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where Push It is in this movie. I, I think it is also MIA in the movie. I don't, yeah, I, I, I just watched this movie yesterday, and I don't think that it was in the movie. That's a notable enough song that we'd be like, oh, Static X. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah my, my brain is definitely in tune with fucking Static X uh, <laughs> tracks like showing up in film. So, so that song is followed by the only band that doesn't have a wiki page on the soundtrack. Or no, <laughs> sorry, two of the, the Waking Hours also doesn't. Uh, Disappointment Incorporated with Bleeding Boy, which I remember thinking I didn't like the song as it started, and then like midway through it, I was kind of like, ah, that song's all right. But yeah, like, this film is so mediocre. It yeah. could it could be great, but it just never achieves anything. Yeah, it's it's a it's big like Anton. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it made it into the soundtrack. They're like, this pretty much sums up Anton. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll skip over that because it's pretty forgettable. And then and, the biggest song. Uh, the in biggest this. song in the soundtrack and my least favorite song in the soundtrack because I don't think that this is that good of an unwritten law song. But oh, Carolyn, no, it's not. It's not a Kaylin. It's Kaylin. not a good unwritten law song, and but it is a. It is their biggest song. It is a huge, huge song, and it's so unlike anything else that was on the self-titled because that's what this record was. The it was the one with like teenage suicide and stuff. Was that that's yeah. their self-titled, right? Yeah, yeah. it's self-titled. Um. Man, Kaylin was a massive, massive song. And it's a good, like, alt-pop kind of late 90s track. I could see this on a mix with, like, early Smash Mouth and uh, Teenage Dirtbag and and yeah. Girl That All the Bad Guys Want, which was a couple years later. But, you know, it's like that same kind of... Yeah, and this was definitely in the movie. This is at the end of the movie yes. when Anton's yeah, in the hospital. Yeah, when they're kissing and then they get smashed. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It starts, when, it starts when you get him... Oh, man. So... We'll get into it in the episode, but Jessica Alba as Molly is is like best Jessica Alba. She's at her absolute hottest. Oh, she's so hot. And 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 I love the fact that as this song starts playing, she goes up and kisses Anton, and he grabs a little butt cheek, and then he <laughs> takes her hand, his hand off, and her butt cheek like jiggles a little bit, and then he gets smashed by a car. <laughs> the other single that followed this on their next album is probably my favorite unwritten law single though. Uh, seeing Red was because I remember I that. No way. I loved that song in yeah, eighth grade. Like, <laughs> that's, 
that song was on MTV2 so much, and I was just like, yeah, follow the leader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so so Elva was, I, I prefer Elva to the self-titled, and I don't listen to anything else that they did, even if they have, I don't even know if they have another record besides those two. Um, but I think that uh, Actress Model Girlfriend is a much better song than Seeing Red. Yeah, it's a great song, and and um, what was song tr- track two on? Um, Up all night. Up all night. Oh my god, that was a massive hit for them. But and then there was also was "Blame It On Me." "Blame It On Me" is my favorite unwritten law song. I love that song. That song rips. I'm just yeah. learning they have more than two songs today. <laughs> uh, so That's what we do. We educate. So here's another one that is, I'm like 90% sure, not in the movie. No, but it was I, absolutely not in the movie yeah. or else I would know because this is my this is off of my favorite Vandals record. This is also my favorite Vandals record, and it's the song that got me into the Vandals, My Girlfriend's Dead. It is such a catchy fucking song. It that is whole so record funny. is just magic. Like, the yeah. Vandals were never that. Uh, although, when you listen to this song outside of, like, um, if you go away from the Vandals for a while and then you listen to My Girlfriend's Dead, it absolutely sounds like the template for everything they did on Look What I Almost Stepped In, which was the yeah. follow-up to the Hitler Bad Vandals Good, um, which is a much poppier record because, actually, Hitler Bad Vandals Good feels like a great bridge between early Vandals, which is straight, like, kind of shitty punk rock, and the very glossy, shiny, later Vandals, which is like, you know, look what I almost stepped in, hot potato chip, stuff like that. The Vandals is such a weird band to me though, because it's one of those bands where, if we're being honest, they have a very talented guitarist, bassist, and drummer, and the Vandals just writes the easiest music. Like, it's almost like their goal was to not show how talented any of those three guys actually Until they do like a sick solo. You know, but like, but like we're talking about like Warren Fitzgerald is arguably one of the better guitarists in pop punk. And then you have his guitar solo in idea for a movie that is like the most purposefully bad solo that has (laughs) ever been recorded. I love that solo so much. (laughs) I heard that solo in like 97 and I was like, what the fuck am I listening to right now? Like if you listen to that, if that was the first thing you ever played for somebody by the Vandals, they'd be like, oh, so this band has one of the worst guitarists in music. And it's like, no, actually, he's very good. (laughs) It was it was like kind of a fuck you punk thing. And and that's like I've never really liked the the intention intentionality of being a shitty punk musician. Um, I've always preferred like the social satire. And, you know, that's what I like about about punk rock but um yeah man vandals are so great all-time favorite vandals song has to be uh fucked up girl for me okay i think for me uh as cliche as it is um i mean christmas isn't complete until i listen to oi to the world i love this <laughs> oh shit. no i thought Oi's you were gonna world. say uh christmas time for my penis <laughs> <laughs> this is this episode of soundtracking is just us jerking off about how great music was when we were in high, when we were in the nineties. I was gonna say when we were in high school, but no, this was when Brian was fucking uh, waiting for pubes to come in. Yeah, I was nine. <laughs> um, so the next song in the soundtrack is the longest song in the soundtrack, and it's the techno song that is definitely in the movie. Uh, it's when they head to the party uh, when the when Vivica A. Fox heads to the school dance, and it's "Rude Boy Rock" by Lion Rock. Ugh. Uh, which it's I, the worst I, song, in my opinion. 
Uh, it's not the greatest. Uh, I I know of Lion Rock because they had a really good song on the Go soundtrack. Oh, the Go soundtrack. If that's not on our list, I'm pretty sure it already is. I mean, it's a very techno-heavy soundtrack, but man, uh, I I enjoy this song. It's fine. It would be a lot better if it was like three minutes instead of five minutes. <laughs> I think uh, that about most songs. Because it really takes us a while to get to Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil, the Easily the song that is in this movie more than any other song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always listen to that Satan Devil music. <laughs> what about doesn't and, and doesn't the 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 metalhead gearhead dude call Beethoven a fag or something like that? I think so. I think so. Oh man, we'll get to that. Can, no, he was saying how Nikki Six is just like Beethoven, just louder. <laughs> uh, so. Scott, real quick, because we don't get to show this off too much, can you give us your best uh, Vince Neil falsetto <laughs> shout at the devil? <laughs> oh, man. I might need two tries, so you'll just take whichever one's the better one. Uh, it's shout at the devil! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! You don't even uh, by the way, it's 10.30 in the morning, and I just did that, and I'm pretty sure Megan is still in bed. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. So, so there's a thing that happens on a lot of soundtracks and it's like, it'll be 12 tracks of songs that you really like. And then it always ends with like a musical score. And usually for me, a lot of the time that's like a skippable track because I'd rather, if I'm going to listen to a musical score, I'd rather just listen to the full musical score, not just like one random song. But the idle hands theme is so good. Like it's, it's, it's unnecessarily good. Yeah, like it's unreasonably good how well done this background music is. Yeah, uh, well, it, it's 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 very uneven for the film, though. I will say that much is that it's like a, it's a little too dark for the rest of the movie. I guess that it's like the only because there is so much needle drop in this movie. There, it's very little actual soundtrack, like OST type stuff, and it's various artists like what we're talking about. But man. The actual song, his name's uh, Graham Ravel, I think, is how you pronounce it. Um, I, I do give this one a pass, having his music in the actual, uh, in the actual OS, or in the actual, um, uh, like, various artists' and, music from the motion picture. And his credited soundtrack list is bonkers. Uh, let's see, we've got, just going through, because there's a shit ton on here, but he's credited for the soundtracks of... Uh, Child's Play 2, People Under the Stairs, Boxing Helena, um, Ghost in the Machine, The Crow, Tank Girl. Wow. Wow. Uh, Mighty, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, From Dusk Till Dawn, The Craft, The Crow 2, City of Angels, Spawn, Suicide Kings, Bride of Chucky, Idle Hands, uh, uh, Pitch Black, Titan IE, uh, Lara Croft, The Tomb Raider from 2001. Uh, Daredevil, Freddy vs. Jason, uh, Sin City, uh, The Fog Remake, Eon Flux, Grindhouse Planet Terror Soundtrack, Pineapple Express, and then his last one was Riddick. Dude, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. He stayed relevant and busy for like 15 years. He's 62 right now. (laughs) So he's taking it easy. Yeah, he lives in New Zealand. That's just wild because, um, hey, little shout out that I've been meaning to do, um, and I don't think I've mentioned them except on the Facebook group, but there's another podcast that I love uh, called Sound, um, Scored to Death, and it's 
uh, a guy that I have bought vinyl off of at Monster Mania multiple times. He interviews um, composers, and he he did not interview Graham Ravel, but he interviewed. Um, oh God, it's gonna skip my. It's slipping my mind. Who did the soundtrack for um, uh, Cedar Chucky? I have no clue. <laughs> Can you look it up for me since you're yeah, on you, IMDb? You just I'm like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he interviewed him, and it's just such a weird, like, um, six degrees of separation type thing that the guy that did Idle Hands did all those Chucky movies, and then Seed and Cult, or no, uh, Curse and Cult. Okay. Curse and Cult. I think he actually did Seed, Curse and Cult, um, this other guy. Uh, he, took over, he took over right after Graham Ravel. Uh man, why is the soundtrack uh Pino D'Angelio? No. That's who's listed for Seed. Okay, it's not Seed then, it's Curse of Chucky. Let me try that one. Hey, yeah, because Pino is the guy who did the, the Taurus Trap soundtrack. Oh wow, really? Yeah. He did Seed Chucky? Yeah. Joseph Laduca. Le, yeah, Joseph Laduca. Yeah, uh, Joe LaDuca was on that, and he was talking about all the stuff he's done, and, and uh, it's just so funny. I guess I, I thought that he had done all three of the most recent ones, but he did Curse and Cult. And, and he also he did, did a- Barry and the X. And uh, Ash, and, Ash versus the Evil Dead. He did, he did all the Evil Dead stuff. <clears throat> um, all right, so real quickly, because this is the longest soundtracking episode by a long <laughs> shot. Uh, we need let's to talk about the stuff that didn't even yeah. make it onto the OST, but is in the movie. Yeah, here's some of the stuff that didn't make it on there. So right out the gate, and I remember this scene vividly, uh, Blood Clot by Rancid. Uh, yeah, when, which when is Anton's the best stoned. Rancid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That, yeah. There's that period between, like, I'll say Let's Go up until uh, Invincible that is just, like, top-notch Rancid records. Um <laughs> And Blood Clot's right smack in the middle, man. I love this song. Yeah, Blood Clot is one of the best songs on Life Won't Wait. Uh, not my favorite, but it's up there. Life Won't Wait is a shockingly underrated Rancid album. It's also like. incredibly uneven. It's And it's also way too long. <laughs> it's another yeah, one of those ones. It does not need to be... It's 22 tracks long. That is insane. Fuck, that's 22 tracks. <laughs> that felt um, like such a great value when I bought that in like 1999, <laughs> like uh, 98 or something like that, because I had it before this movie came out. Uh, yeah, I bought that bought that CD being like, yes, 22 tracks or whatever. It was like that MXPX album that's like 33 songs. Uh <laughs> Let it um, let it happen, <laughs> let it, dude. That's a great record. No, it is don't a great even record. don't don't front, man. That's that, and that was a great value when I bought it in 1998 as well, or 99 <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so Dave Gerza, whoever that is, has two songs: "Core in Time" and "Glow in the Dark." Maybe if I heard them, I'd be like, "Oh, those." Yeah. Uh, but based on the we fact need to that- talk about we need to talk about two songs smack dab in the middle here. Um, I am a pig. Performed by two, which is basically just Rob Halford and a couple other guys. Rob okay. Halford from um, Judas Priest. And that is the song that my buddy Eric was obsessed with finding. He could not find it on LimeWire or Kazaa or whatever. And he was like, I just want that song. Because it's when, um, I think it's when Anton is getting high on the nutmeg. Oh. Yeah, so so I clicked into the, it's so like, it's on the, the album. <laughs> so I clicked on the album and... 
uh, two only produced one album. It was the musical collaboration of Rob Halford of Judas Priest and John Five from Merlin Manson and Rob oh, Zombie. John Lowry, that John Five, okay. Yeah, and then uh, Trent Reznor was the executive producer on it, along with the guy from Skinny Puppy. So it sounds like it was just an industrial dream. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I was studio project. But then we got to talk about Pop That Coochie. Oh, by oh, Live Crew. Oh, man. I love this song. I didn't think they could play it on TV anymore. I love this video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Two Live Crew is a band that I have gotten more and more into over the years, not because they were very talented rappers, but I just like the just the in your face brassness of all of it. Um, but yeah, pop that coochie, pop, pop that coochie. coochie. <laughs> um, uh, so Ace Fraley has a song in this New York groove. I don't know where that yeah, song I, is. On I have no clue uh i mean this is pointless they have zebra head mind trip on here because it's they use the remix version on the soundtrack versus the real version that's and then the offsprings version of i want to be sedated yes which is it's shocking to me that that didn't make it on the soundtrack because i don't really know if there's anywhere else to get the offsprings version of i want to be sedated Uh, i don't think it was recorded for anything else um but they still recorded it because that's a that's an actual they're playing to a backing track when they're on stage. Yeah, and I've definitely found that cover on Napster without clips from the movie, so it must be available somehow, but I don't know where. Um, Birth Through Knowledge, who I've never heard of, uh, but be- based on the names of the people who are writing the song and the fact that it's called Peppy Rock, I'm going to make the assumption that it's the song that plays when Anton wakes up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. That- it's fun. Yeah, which is a, actually a really fun song. It reminds me every so for the longest time in my head, I started to think that the song was Diamonds and Guns by the Transplants because it has that same like woo woo yeah. sound in the background. Yep. Um, and then I obviously, like and I know that song. Oh, dude, I the first Transplants album I really really like, and then I don't think they made a good album after that. Uh, and then finally. Uh, on the Wikipedia list, and maybe we missed something later, but um, Sublime Santeria, which played pretty much every single time that you saw uh, Anton's friends, Mick, yeah. Mick and Penub, uh, always that nice stoner stoner reggae that brought brought to us by Sublime. <laughs> uh, so that is the soundtracking for Idle Hands, uh, easily our longest episode of soundtracking. We already know what next week's or next month's soundtracking episode is going to be, and I'll give you a hint. It's a it's a it's a movie that we've discussed in the past, but it seems appropriate for for it being a July soundtracking episode. So you guys can figure it out from there. But we will be back uh, in just a couple days with a new episode of the Horror Movie Night podcast. And uh, just a couple, maybe like a week from now, the Patreon episode on Buckaroo Banzai will be dropping. So if you want to hear one person very <laughs> medi- mediocrely trying to defend a movie that he's only semi-passionate about against two people who are very unimpressed, then you should tune in for that Patreon by donating to patreon.com backslash podcast. Uh, but that's it for us. Later.
At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.